Hola and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. And of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This week, we've actually got two shows for you guys. First, we're going to start off with the Wednesday card of Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny, an exciting welterweight tilt. And as those of you who frequent the show know, we will only be focused on the prelim portion of that card. Now, for those of you who are new to the show and might be wondering to yourself, why just the prelim portion of the card? Why not break down the whole thing or at least the exciting main card bouts? And the answer is very simple. We know that there's lots of value on those prelim cards with guys you don't know a ton about. Like, you know about Neil Magny. You know about Michael Chiesa. But you probably don't know a lot about these early fighters. And that's where there's money to be won in both gambling and daily fantasy sports. And speaking of gambling and daily fantasy sports and finding value, this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by AJ'sMMABetting.com. For all of the gambling breakdowns and analysis that you need, head on over to AJ'sMMABetting.com. That link is in the show notes to see what AJ is doing because I believe he puts other guys to shame. He does far more than shoot you his picks every week so that you can tail him. Instead, he gives you an education and insight so that you can make informed decisions, grow your bankroll, and have continued success. Why go to an anonymous tipster who's just throwing you blind ideas when you can go to a proven winner like AJ, and he's giving you all that analysis right now for free. So what is there to lose other than your current bad decisions? So follow him over at AJMMABetting on Twitter or AJMMABetting.com. And of course, in order to break down the fights for you this week, I need to be joined by a co-host joining me today from the Fix Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben. I am joined by Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, man. Always a pleasure. I, I love doing this. All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Francisco Figueredo versus Jerome Rivera. Figueredo, obviously the younger brother of the uh, current flyweight champion. He's 11-3-1, making his debut. His last fight was actually a draw, and that was all the way back in September of 2019 at Jungle Fight. So he's been away for a while and, and without really success there either. Rivera, meanwhile, made the UFC through the Contender Series, but then was promptly knocked out by Tyson Nam in his debut back in September. So... Obviously, Figueredo away for a really long time before this fight. There's not a ton of footage on him. How worried are you that he was actually just signed as a favor for his brother here? And and maybe it's not up for the task. Yeah, so what I could find on Figueredo, you know, he's he's a pretty diverse striker. Uh, I guess a similar skill set to Davison, although just not as well-rounded, not as dynamic. Yeah, I think a little bit has to do with the name. And yeah, especially there's not a whole ton of footage out there uh, on him. I worry a little bit about the cardio, you know, coming off a layoff. Yeah, me as well. And, And the other thing that I'm interested about with him, too, is in the small amount of footage that does exist on him, he seems to rely a lot more heavily on his jujitsu and his wrestling than his brother does. His brother is much more... You know, like, I'm going to hit you in the face really freaking hard, and then, like, I will follow it up with my jujitsu when I need it. He seems a little bit more lenient on it, which is interesting because against a guy like Rivera, who's got a ton of subs on his record, clearly has good submission defense, I'm not sure that that's a great game plan either. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of battle this turns out to be because I'm actually a fan of, of Rivera. I thought he looked really good on the Contender Series. Obviously, a loss to Tyson Nam doesn't look too bad. What, what are your thoughts here on Rivera? 
yeah, Jerome Rivera is very slick. He's got seven subs on his record. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just think the grappling is going to be a bit much for Figueredo to handle, especially the later it goes. If if Rivera is leaning on him with takedowns, taking him to the ground, and Figueredo has to carry Rivera's weight constantly, get back up. I just think it's going to slow him down. I really like Rivera and his grappling in this fight. Me too. And I'm going to take Rivera here by sub. It sounds like you're leaning the same thing. Is that your official pick? Yeah, I'm going to go Rivera by late sub. I think he hits him with a rear naked choke maybe in the third round. All right, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Mike Davis versus Mason Jones. Davis, after losing to Gilbert Burns in his debut, turned around and absolutely demolished Thomas Gifford in a violent fashion. Jones, meanwhile, 10-0, making his debut. He was the Cage Warriors double champion coming over from Wales. So Davis is really hard for me to judge because, first of all, he lost to the next title challenger at welterweight and then followed that up by you know, demolishing somebody who, let's be honest, probably doesn't belong in the UFC. So how, how do you rate him after those two performances, and how does that rating play against a guy like Mason Jones? Yeah, dude, this is honestly one of the best fights on the card. I really like it. Like you mentioned, uh, Mason Jones, Cage Warriors, double champ. Yeah, what you can see on Davis, he, he's got solid wrestling. He's got very good boxing, but he has a ton of power, and I really like the striking dynamic in this fight for however long it does last. I think Jones is a very good boxer himself, but to get in that boxing range, he's really going to have to get inside and put himself at risk of the power that Mike Davis does have because Davis, um, I believe all of his wins are by finish. He's got a bunch of win wins on the feet. And like you said, in his last fight, he went out there and just demolished that dude. Um, so yeah, man, I really, really like this fight a lot. I like this fight a lot too. And I think you're right that, that the striking dynamic, and you said it even in there, however long it lasts there, I think that power from Mike Davis is so important for Mason Jones to feel because Mason Jones, I think, regrettably thinks of himself as a striker from time to time. And he's actually far better as a grappler. Like he, he started judo at like seven years old or something like that. He was doing jujitsu pretty much simultaneously. He's always really been a grappler and, and he's got good boxing. You're right. He, he took a couple of amateur or pro boxing fights in between there. But I think he, he fancies himself a striker, which I think is wrong. I think he needs to lean on his grappling here. If he does choose to go to the grappling here, do you think he has a significant enough advantage here to beat Mike Davis? It's a tough one, man. Like I said, Davis does have very capable wrestling. Um, so I don't know if, if Jones is going to be able to get him to the ground consistently. My hunch is that uh, like I said, Jones it, it kind of fell in love with the striking. and I think he does that in this fight. I think he stands with Davis, and I think he actually wins the striking. I'm going to go with Jones here. I'm pretty damn high on him. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun fight on the feet, and uh, man, I'm going Jones by decision, but... I mean, there could be a, a couple different ways this one ends, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, this is definitely the most exciting fight on the card. And, and I will say, I'm also going with Jones here by decision. I think his skill set's a little bit more well-rounded. I also like the physicality difference he's got here. I think he's much stronger as, like, a young, strong kid. So, like, I, I'm going to go with Mason Jones by the, the slightest of margins in a decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, let me tell you about my favorite feature of the breakdowns that you get from AJ at AJ'sMMABetting.com. He sends them out with all of his picks. And when he sends you those picks in the lines that he's got on them, 
he lets you know the implied probability. So for instance, if the line comes in at a certain number, he can tell you if 20% likely to win, 40% likely to win. And then he breaks down where he would have it so that you can see the value in the pick. That's education that you can't get very many places. In even fewer places can you get that for free. AJ's giving you that all for free, and that knowledge gives me faith in his process because, let's face it, gambling isn't all about your big hit from last week. It is about continued success and growing that bankroll. And let me tell you something. He's got loads of picks that are live right now if you want to grow your bankroll. So head on over to ajsmmabetting.com, and you can also check him out, of course, on Twitter, at ajmmabetting. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Tom Breeze versus Omari Makamedov. So Tom Breeze, two-year layoff, followed up by a loss to Brendan Allen. He did redeem himself with a big knockout of KB Buller towards the end of last year. Akhmedov, meanwhile, was unbeaten in six straight fights before losing to Chris Weidman back in August. So... Uh, I said this before about Tom Brees. He, he's like the most frustrating guy to break down because in one sense, his jujitsu is really good. In another sense, he loves himself some boxing and he looks like a completely different fighter every single time you see him out. He either looks like a world beater or he looks like he doesn't belong in the cage. H- how do you go about analyzing him in a matchup here with Akhmedov, who who's pretty damn tough? Yeah, I think you said it right, man. You know, and I know that he struggled with some 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 of the pressures of being a top level fighter with some anxiety. And yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, he looks like the total package, right? He's got he's a dynamic striker. He's a southpaw. He's got good grappling, uh, very opportunistic submissions. But you know, he struggled when he stepped up. Um, whereas Akhmedov, yeah, coming off, uh, you know, he was uh, had a I believe a seven fight unbeaten streak, and then he looked pretty damn bad in the Chris Weidman loss. Um, but again, Akhmedov is like a very, he's very economical with his takedowns and his ground to pound. And that just seems like a recipe that could give Breeze, uh, some trouble. I don't see him getting any sort of crazy slick submission on Akhmedov, though if it does stay on the feet for any sort of time, I kind of give Breeze the, the advantage there. Yeah, I think Breeze definitely has the advantage there, but if you look at people who have given Akhmedov trouble, it seems to be guys who can use forward pressure in heavy-based wrestling. You know, like Chris Weidman is a perfect stereotype of the type of person who gives him trouble, right? Because Marvin Vittori was the guy who gave him trouble before with sort of that same forward pressure, push him against the cage kind of pressure. And I just don't see Tom Breeze doing that. Like, because like you said, he, he is falling in love with his hands. If it stays on the feet, I actually favor Tom Breeze. I just don't think he's going to be on the feet for any sustained amount of time. So I'm going to go with Akhmedov by decision. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, man. I'm going Akhmedov by decision. I just don't think Breeze is that guy. I think it'll be a decent fight and Breeze will have some moments, but I think Akhmedov uh, puts him through the grinder out there and wins by decision. All right, and this one might take us a little quicker to get through, and that's Ricky Simon versus Gaetano Perello. Simon lost back-to-back fights to Uriah Faber and Rob Font. He bounced back and beat Ray Borg. Perello, meanwhile, 15-5-1, making his UFC debut. He's a Belgian fighter who last won at European Beatdown 7 back in October of 2019. So he's been out for almost a year and a half. I've looked at a little film on Perello, but not very much. Are you giving the newcomer any chance here against Ricky Simon? Listen, man, I, I visited Belgium. It was one of my favorite countries to visit, but uh, I do not favor Perello in any sort of form in this fight. This is a really rough fight for him. 
Um, he seems to be very aggressive uh, and, and honestly fearless out there, but it's to a flaw. He sacrifices takedown defense. Um, he's also been out of the cage for uh, for about a year. And, uh, you know, Simone is just – I still think Simone has, has some, some upside. He's just fought much better competition. He's super well-rounded. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go too well for Pirello out there. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, like, blind aggression. It seems like his hands are down. He doesn't care if you're throwing back at him. And against a guy like Simon, who has a really solid takedowns, he's really good in the grappling department. He can also sting you with the, the hands, like – it's just a recipe for disaster. I think Ricky gets it done absolutely any way he wants to in whatever round he wants to here. Uh, so I'll, I'll go. He probably finishes him with a TKO in the first. How about you? Yeah, I'll just, for the sake of being different, I'll go by a sub in the first. All right. And that brings us to our last fight of the second round, which is Sue Muderji versus Zaruk Adashev. Muderji, uh, after going 1-1 one one at 135 pounds, made his flyweight debut in November, knocked out Malcolm Gordon in just 44 seconds. Adeshev, meanwhile, debuted in June, and he got knocked out by Tyson Nam in 32 seconds, which seems to sort of be the thing that Tyson Nam is doing lately. Now, uh, my question here, Sue absolutely looked like a killer at flyweight. What does Adeshev have to do to get inside? I mean, he's 5'8 with enormous reach. How does he get inside there to be successful? Yeah, the thing about Adeshev is he's got very what seems to be, you know, a very limited MMA experience, right? He's only 3-2. and two. Um he is a good striker. He's got a diverse striking game, and, and I think Madurje is the guy that is going to oblige it. And, and for for Adeshev to get inside, I think it's just going to be Madurje's willingness to trade, right, that is going to give Adeshev, uh, you know, ample opportunity in this matchup. But, yeah, I think the size and, and the power that, that Madurje has, you know, 11 wins by KO. The guy is super dynamic, very powerful. Um I think this is going to be a fun one because I think it's going to take place mostly on the feet, but uh, I, I think Adeshev is, is up against it in this one. Yeah, and, and you said it there too. The size, the reach, the you know the raw power of Sumaderji, who's like a power that we don't see at flyweight very often. No. Like, like I just think all of those things add up to a, a very, very, very bleak picture here for Adeshev. So I'm thinking Muderji. I think Adeshev probably survives on the feet for a little bit, but – you know, by the second round, Muderji is going to put it on him and take him out of there. How about you? I'm with that, man. I think I think it's going to be fun. I think Adeshev is going to start to slow down, and Muderji is going to take over. I absolutely love this guy. Super fun highlight reel. I think he gets it done by uh, knockout as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him against some of the higher guys in the division. I think him and Tyson Nam would be absolutely fun. Absolutely. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number three. Hey guys, just listen to what subscribers are saying about AJ'sMMABetting.com. I've been following AJ for several months and he is ultra impressive, but honestly his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons. It's his breakdown and understandings of matchups that impress me the most. It can be hard to separate out your emotions and your favorite fighters in this crazy fight game, but AJ seems to be able to really objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let his emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book and that is a real Honest to God, subscriber, his name's George. George telling you exactly what he loves about AJ's MMA betting. And let me tell you something. You can be a subscriber for free right now at AJ'sMMABetting.com. And we think you will highly, highly enjoy what you get out of that free investment. So head on over there now. And of course, follow him at AJ's MMA Betting on Twitter. 
And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Dolce Lukianbula versus Marcus Perez. Lukianbula, after winning his debut against Daquan Townsend, he got front kicked into oblivion by Magomed Ankalev. Of course, that was all the way back in November of 2019, so he's had quite a bit of a layoff. Perez, meanwhile, 2-4 and four in the UFC. He's lost two straight leading into this fight. My question around this fight totally resolves around the weight cut of Dolce Lugiambulo, who we are going to see at 185 pounds for the first time in, I think, his career. He's fought at 205 in the UFC. He fought at heavyweight outside of the UFC. What do you think Dolce Lugiambulo at middleweight is going to look like? Uh, that's a very good question, because if you watch Lugiambulo a fight, he is ultra-aggressive. He throws them bungalows on the feet. And yeah, you couple that with with a big weight cut and a weight cut that he might not be used to, it could spell a recipe for disaster, but I think his power could be the great equalizer in this fight, right? Because if he gets Perez out there early, uh, you know, the cardio is not going to really come into a factor. Uh, and Perez, honestly, is a pretty damn good fight for Lugiambula. Perez is a guy that, that has good grappling, but he doesn't look to take it to the ground, right? He's usually very willing to oblige a firefight on the feet. And again, I think if you're talking about cardio and, and weight cut, I think that's that's the way to go for Lugambula, and I think Perez is just going to oblige it. Yeah, and I, you nailed it there. That is exactly what I was thinking, is that, like, Lugambula was originally scheduled against Carl Roberson, and that, to me, would have been trouble, because he's a little exactly. bit more technical, he's a little bit more careful, and now he's fighting a guy who's just going to oblige him in a crazy firefight, and he doesn't have to worry about emptying the gas tank, because if he empties the gas tank, it's fine. It's going to be over in two and a half minutes, one way or the other, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's like the perfect drop to 185 for him. I am worried about his gas tank in the future because it, it looked like it ran out at 205 because of his weight cut. I can't imagine him 20 pounds lighter. But, yeah, I'm going to take Dolcher by first-round knockout. How about you? I mean, Perez might come out there and surprise us and try to lean on this man and gas him out. And I think if he does, it could lead to good things for him. But I think Perez gets starched here. I'm going by Lugie and Bula first-round KO. All right, and that brings us to our second fight of this round, which is Victoria Leonardo versus Manon Firo. Uh, Leonardo, 8-2, making her debut. She beat Chelsea Hackett back in November on the Contender Series. Firo, meanwhile, 5-1, making her debut. She comes by way of the UAE Warrior promotion. She, of course, was also an IMMAF amateur world champion as well. So I guess the question here, Leonardo, if you watched her fight Hackett on the Contender Series, her top game was the big difference maker. She was actually losing a striking battle here. Do you think she can drag this fight to the floor against a, a veteran like Firo? I think it's going to be tough for her because Firo is a great grappler herself. Um, and Firo also has – she throws pretty aggressive big strikes on the feet, which may lead to Leonardo getting under for takedowns. But I think I think Firo is just a, a, a capable grappler herself, and I think it's going to be hard for Leonardo to get much going um, in that department, especially when Firo starts landing punches – and possibly hurts her on the feet, and maybe even takes her down herself. Yeah, and the interesting thing, too, is that if you watch that fight with Hackett, I think, like, the kicks, especially any kind of, like, push kick or, like, oblique kick, seemed to bother Leonardo, and she didn't quite know how to get inside on that. And Firo throws quite a few of those as well. Like, she, she uses her kicks 
not just his damage, but, like, to keep distance. So, like, if she wants to get inside, she'll get inside. But, like, I think also she could just force Leonardo to fight on the outside, which would be a disaster matchup for her. Because, like I said, she was losing that striking battle against Chelsea Hackett. I actually think Firo does a fine job here of keeping the distance as long as she wants to and probably winning that type of fight. So I'm going to take Firo, the newcomer here, uh, by decision. How about you? Yeah, I'm going by decision as well. And if Firo, one of the uh, people that had a great 2020, right? She went 3-0 in 2020, and I think she starts uh, 2021 off uh with another big win. I'm going Firo by decision as well. All right. And that brings us to our last fight, which is Umar Nurmagomedov versus Sergei Morozov. So both guys making their debut. Nurmagomedov 12-0. He last won in November of 2019 at GFC, which, of course, his cousin now owns. Uh, Morozov is 16-3. and uh, He last defended his M1 global title back in October of 2019. So both guys looking at, you know, almost a year and a half layoff here. If you look at the odds on this one, Nurmagomedov comes in as a huge favorite. Do you think that's deserved, or do you think some of that rides off of the name Nurmagomedov? It's tough, right? Uh, I think the odds are a bit steep, and I think they do ride off of the Nurmagomedov name. But Umar Nurmagomedov is a stud. He's 12-0, but man... Uh, Sergey Morozov is very, very solid in his own right. He's super exciting. He's very dynamic on the feet. He's got big power. Um, I think the odds are a little bit too steep here, man. Yeah, I do too. And the thing I, I would say about Nurmagomedov is if you hear that name and you're instantly thinking he's this big suffocating wrestler, I suggest you go back and watch him because the thing is about him is he's got a lot of front fun kicks. Like he, he uses like a question mark kick on the front and like, you know, like a, a switch kick. He's got all kinds of interesting kickboxing which you you sort of don't expect to see out of him and not a lot of like entries on his takedowns he is good once he's on top but he doesn't he doesn't shoot a lot i watched that fight with him in uh world series of fighting or, or pfl or whatever it is called now um against cedamar honorio and and he i don't think shot a takedown the whole time he only wound up on top when honorio pulled guard so you know like it's interesting to see whether or not he will have the takedowns to take morozov down because he, he's a decent wrestler in his own right. So if, if this takes place on the feet, I, I don't know who I really favor in this one. And it would actually be interesting to see Morozov try to take Nurmagomedov down. So it, it's a it's for sure a weird fight. It's for sure an interesting one. Um, but we're just about to the end of that time. you got to let me know who do you got and how do you got him. Man, if you're, if you're a betting guy, I, I, this is an underdog pick I like. I think Morozov is very, very game in this fight for a lot of the reasons that you picked. I am going to go Nurmagomedov, but man, I would not be surprised if Morozov picks up an upset here, especially the longer it lasts on the feet. If uh, he can stuff some of Nurmagomedov's takedowns and he starts to tire, I'm, I'm really, really digging this fight. Yeah, and if you're looking at those odds, they are like plus 450 right now for Morozov. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw even my my straight-up pick in Morozov's favor here. Hey. Because, hey, you know, like it, when when this gets right, I want to be able to clip it out and, and send it to people. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking Sergey Morozov by decision here. I think he gets enough done on the feet uh, to win the decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our eighth fight in just over 20 minutes. We hope you guys enjoyed the breakdowns. We hope you learned something about these prelim fighters because, hey, these fight cards are coming at us fast and you might not know all of these guys. So now you do. And I want to thank, of course, my co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick from the Fixed Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben for joining me and breaking them down. Thanks so much, Kurt. Always appreciate it, man. Can't wait to do it again.